0: Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson.
1: Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, we're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, located now in the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus in Riverside or in McHenry, Illinois. And uh, we're at the corner of 31 and 120. So big intersection, a lot of people in Chicagoland know all about that. So we're located here in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, it's going to be a very hot day today. A few heat tips, uh, make some uh, good little bone broth ice cubes, keep your dog out of the heat and don't go running with your dog today that would be a good idea. We've had that happen. We've actually taken care of dogs whose owners didn't want to leave them behind for the run and then they had a pretty tragic result of that actually.
2: Yeah we don't realize you know the big thing that we don't realize that dogs don't sweat. They can sweat in their pads. That's it. They Mm -hmm. don't have sweat glands. They have sweat glands in their pads. So they you can imagine that if you couldn't sweat uh, how bl- much less cooling effect that is. Mm-hmm. So they have to pant. They have to get into shade. They have to cool their feet off. So sometimes you'll see them standing in water mm-hmm. uh, if they have a pond or a, a pool or something like that. So um, and it doesn't take long for that car to heat up. They've uh, mm-hmm. done lots of different studies on sure. how quickly that can can heat up in there.
1: Yeah. So anyway, uh, just keep it cool today. Everybody stay inside because that's the nice thing to do. Um, So I have been victimized (laughs) (laughs) as a dirty trick in dog food labeling. So everything that comes in our pet store here, it's holistic pet store. I go through every ingredient. I want to know exactly what's in that. What all these ingredients mean? Where are we going with this? And is there anything in here that's going to be detrimental to any animal, because then I don't want it in here. Well, guess what I found?
2: A few little items. A few little (laughs) nasty
1: items. And the main source of this is called, it's a very dirty dog food labeling trick called splitting, ingredient splitting, okay? So we're talking in this particular case, it was peas. And I keep seeing peas showing up in this label and I'm like, that's weird. Why does it say it three times in a row? I'm like, oh, they're using pea protein, okay? And then I'm like, then I see pea flour. I see whole peas. I see pea fiber. And it turns out this is something like we're kind of training owners to do. So this is a trick to make you think that there aren't that many peas being used in this pet food. So we kind of tell owners, make sure the first ingredient is real meat right? Not just Mm -hmm. byproducts or what are some of the other names for the meat that you don't really want in your dog's food?
2: Well, meat, meat (laughs) meal, meat and bone meal, uh, you know, poultry byproducts, for example. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: These are the ones you want to avoid because, you know, if if they say poultry, that can be any poultry. And poultry meal, you can imagine that everything related to left poultry, over. everything left over you take all the good parts out what's left over is sent to the rendering and cooked at very very high temperatures to make sure that there's no active stuff left over
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then it's shipped to the, the dog food manufacturing company it it's pseudo food you know it it's because gross. cooking. We always takes have away, to devolve right. into something
1: gross, but <laughs> yeah,
2: <I know. laughs> when you really
1: explain it all, <laughs> it's it is. yucky. I mean,
2: it really is, and in because.
1: And that, ha- how is that unhealthy?
2: Well, it. Is the, first no of all, nutritional the cooking, value. No, not much. Because, because you cook it out first you of all. Cook it out at very high temperatures. So you imagine if you just cook the heck out of it.
1: Then that what happens?
2: It. Then it. They have to. Put that into the dog food, but then it has to be balanced. So there's other ingredients that are added to balance the dog food. And so, you know, if you look at a label, it's pretty busy. I mean, how much time are you really going to spend reading a label? It's like reading directions on, uh, you know, on, on making a piece of furniture. You kind of look at the directions a little bit and you don't really spend a lot of time with it. So they try to catch in that first three to first four ingredients to let you know that this is what the main things that are in there and it's true but as you mentioned splitting is that the way to get around some of those things that they're going to split up the ingredients so you're not going to read further down to see well how much of this is actually right and
1: once you get to things like um, all the names that they have for the vitamins and stuff you kind of just give up And you're like, okay, that's just all vitamins or, you know, something that I don't really know what that is, you know, Mm. but it looks okay. I've heard those words like DHEA or EDA or whatever. Mm. So, you think, you know, you're thinking, okay, I'm good if the first ingredient says meat. But by taking, so say you had a 20-pound bag of dog food and by taking 50% of the ingredients, which could be peas, Mm-hmm. You could break that bag of dog food down to make it look like meat was the first ingredient. But in reality, peas are actually the first ingredient because they've split the ingredients down to the pea flour, the whole peas and the pea fiber. And when you see whole peas, I don't really know anybody who wouldn't think that was OK. That sounds pretty good. That's green. That's got to be a good veggie, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it really actually peas aren't all that great.
2: Not for carnivores.
1: Okay. What's the deal with that?
2: Well, if we think about ourselves as being omnivores, we can handle plant-based material, but dogs and cats really can't. It's not easy for them to break that into usable protein. Mm -hmm. So it it satisfies the food and drug ingredients as far as what's in there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, is it bioavailable? Now, bioavailability is what are they actually getting out of the dog food? it's okay okay to have all the ingredients in there and you can say that yeah all the essential nutrients are in that bag of dog food but that does not or cat food but that does not mean that it's available to them and so you can run into like after they eat it after they eat it because it has to be bioavailable once they eat it they have to be
1: able to absorb it so my problem with this is that all these companies say this is a complete food. Your dog food is a complete food. It has all the vitamins and minerals and everything your dog needs. But that's actually not real, right? There's no way that's real. Right. Okay.
2: I mean, that's you. You really have to pay attention, and there should be studies, which is it gets on a little bit on the growth side. But we think about what goes in, what comes out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But they really should tell you that this is this much bioavailability, which says, ah. okay, they're not going to leave it out in the yard. So if you think about two dog foods, one that's totally grain based, okay, and it has to be loaded with preservatives because of aflatoxins and other mm-hmm. funguses and things like that. Right. Well, if you think about preservatives in the gut, what is it doing? Well, it's minimizing the ability for that product to break down. Mm -hmm. So, you're going to get a lot of waste, number one. Number two is that waste is going to last forever because there's preservatives in it. So, preservatives in the body, preservatives outside the body. So, I've often wanted to do a study in which you take brain-based stool and (laughs) you take uh, raw fad dogs. Okay. And the difference is amazing. After just a few days, a biologically active waste is broken down very, very quickly Where your preservatives, it could be there for years. I don't know how many years. I've never studied it. but
1: pet waste?
2: And pet waste. Oh. Because there's so many preservatives in it, it's actually keeping it from breaking down in the environment. Sort of like plastic.
1: okay. So, all right. Peas have all these different names, okay? So, a lot of other ingredients will have other different names. So, chicken, chicken meal, broth, fat and chicken liver so those were all included in the chicken category on one of the foods that's in our pet store Mm -hmm. this food did not have the whole pea situation so i think this is a good one yeah but it did list this in several different ways is that like more honest because they told you exactly what kind of chicken it was
2: i think so because it's going to be more transparent okay i think transparent labeling is really important uh you know if you think about if it if it says instead of poultry, if it says chicken,
1: yeah,
2: uh, what kind of chicken is even better? But as long as it says chicken, you know it's in there, or, or beef, or pork, uh, as the first or really the first ingredient should be the meat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll put the byproduct in there, just in. And we have to think about cost of food because. As consumers, and I've been guilty of it too, is that you look at a bag of dog food uh, and compare it and you have different comparisons. The first thing you're going to look at is price. Now on these grain-free meat primary foods, you know, if it's all meat, very little grain in there, you're going to spend a lot of money on that. Mm -hmm. So say $75 for a bag of dog food. Well, I've heard clients say, well, gosh, $75, that's, that's a very expensive But you're looking dog at quality
1: food. over. Right. And the, the stuff with the weird labeling and all the weird stuff is just a lot of stuff that maybe your dog doesn't need at all.
2: That's right. You could be like on your on your inexpensive food. You're probably feeding almost twice as much and you're getting at least twice wow. the waste. Ew. So they're they're just pooping it out. I mean, you're pooping <laughs> okay. your money literally
1: <laughs> onto the ground. <laughs> <All> right, <Jim. laughs> <I'm> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <You're> a little <laughs> bit gross. Okay, so um, another thing that came up when I was actually looking into this was the you guys all heard about the dilated cardiomyopathy. The warning the FDA put out about dilated cardiomyopathy being caused potentially by grain-free foods. Um, So one of the things that came up also is that they put the warning not just on the grain-free foods and the meat and the quantity of all this, but they actually put the warning, which I didn't know, on sweet potatoes, potatoes, all those other additives that are going into the dog food. So when you're getting a grain-free dog food, you can get things from Um, oat groats, uh, pearled barley. There's so many other ancestral grains like farrow, um, many different kinds of things that people are using to fill up the dog food. And, you know, I guess sometimes it provides some nutrition, but I think it provides some bulk to help things move along, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really realize this about the sweet potatoes, the potatoes, how did that get all included in this dilated cardiomyopathy uh, warning? Well,
2: they haven't, they haven't done the studies for it to show what potatoes and sweet potatoes can do. But mm-hmm. they've lumped them in there as a precautionary food because, uh, first of all, the legumes, uh, especially peas, uh, have an enzyme inhibitor for essential amino acids. And, and uh, as you said in the earlier show, essential amino acids are ones they have to get from the food. So if, if there's too much of that, too many legumes in there uh, or too much starch, mm-hmm. um, then that can actually be an inhibitor for taurine. So that's where we have to be careful.
1: And taurines to make your heart function. I had a cat who didn't right. have enough taurine, got really stressed out. And then because uh, I flew it on a plane halfway across the country with me, and it was really, really didn't handle it well yeah and after that it had some heart problems that developed and it was a taurine deficiency
2: that was interesting because this happened back in the 70s when we were developing cat foods originally to uh as far as the dry foods and cat foods were concerned and unfortunately what happened is that they discovered that a lot of cats were getting dilated cardiomyopathy oh. and they realized okay there wasn't enough taurine available in the cat foods well as we went to more grain free for dogs we realized okay uh what was actually happening and some of these potential things were happening for dogs too. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. So what is taurine? It's an essential amino acid? It's
2: essential amino acid. Everyone needs it. Humans need it too. Humans need it as well. Not as as much as, as cats and dogs, but they do need it as well. And if you think about it, you can have, and this is one of those little dirty tricks too, is that if you have legumes in the dog food, that's grain free. Legumes aren't grain.
0: Well, so, yeah, right. See,
1: right. Legumes so, aren't grain. Uh, quinoa is not grain. That's actually a fruit. Um, pearl barley, oat groats. What are the others?
2: Well, the um, you, you put me on the spot there. So <laughs> 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 the, my mind was going on the channel, but
1: that happens only 50 or a hundred times a day. <laughs>
2: right. right. <laughs> so, you know, the, um, As far as you got potatoes, barley's really good. Sweet
1: potatoes, potatoes, all those things. The other thing is that those are, and the thing with the pea protein too, those are raised with herbicides. There's no way a commercial processing um, farm or anybody else can raise all of those vegetables or anything that's added in without some commercial herbicide. So we're talking glyphosate, and you know what that does because we've talked about it before. To the GI tract, and even to the skin. I mean, you think your dog has allergies? Guess what? You've just been feeding it this food that has glyphosate in it. Roundup is the uh, technical word for that, for the the trade name.
2: Yeah, it's and it, whatever was on that, and a lot of times when they're. Um, they're raising the soybeans or raising the peas, it's called Roundup Ready, so they're going to spray them initially to get rid of weeds, but they're also going to spray them to help with maturity as well.
1: Okay. So, harder to digest because they're plant-based food and not food based in um, you know the meats and kind of like what your dog or cat's body is set up for, raised with herbicides. And they're not a complete protein. So legumes are not a complete protein. Peas are not a complete protein. You'll see chickpeas, lentils, none of those things are. And then watch that. If they show up several different times on your pet's food label, you uh, should be pretty suspect of what's going on here. I mean, the peas could end up totaling far more than you initially think because they put meat as the first ingredient, but the peas could actually be totaling in weight. It could be half of it. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I mean, the fact of the matter is that none of us knows unless we're going to go ahead and make our own dog food, which is, you know, after this experience and feeling like I've been duped, I've been tricked by this dog food system that I've been so set up to not have a problem with. I've been I've been so educated about it. I've been looking, I've been trying. I can't even imagine how I got duped, but it happens. <laughs> so now I'm thinking Everybody in our house needs to go back to a raw diet.
2: Yeah, clever marketing. Maybe not the
1: cats right now, but the dogs I would put on a raw diet again.
2: Yeah, there's it's clever marketing and definitely uh, you know it, it. How much protein is in there is how much you know is actually in there, but what kind of protein, how available is it, is very important. All right. And all those ingredients are important.
1: Okay. So when your geriatric cat starts peeing intermittently on rugs and beds, this is our question today from one of our listeners. It's actually her aunt's question. And she says, this cat is also leaving tiny drops of dry blood everywhere. They're using a flea and tit control product in the house, but it looks like he's getting eaten alive. And then also periodically his back legs don't work. And she says he is a mess. Okay. So this has a lot of different layers, I suspect. Definitely
2: geriatric number one. Okay. Uh, Older kitties surprisingly have just as much arthritis and back issues as a dog does. Okay. So they're not just small dogs. Cats do have their own version of that. So the the key points here are, at least for me, when I first heard this, was thinking about neurologic because the, the lower lumbar area runs the outputs. And so if we've got a kitty that's biting at itself, like they have fleas, that's actually impingement on the spinal nerves. It's causing pins and needles because they're using a flea preventative. So in 99% of the time, that's going to be working. So if they're, they're feeling a sh- sharp pins and needles and they're going to bite at that exactly the same way as they would if there was a flea on them. Uh, second of all is that uh, we're having difficulty with urine output. So, so you
1: think that it's not that this cat is getting eaten alive. It's that he's barbering. He's barbering because he feels the nerves, and, you know, it's like that pins and needles feeling like mm-hmm. when you sleep on your arm too long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay.
2: pins and needles, numbness. And so that bothers them. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to chew at it to try to improve circulation. Okay. okay. And then the second part of that is the urine output problems, because if we're having neurologic issues, we're not going to empty the bladder all the way. So it goes to the litter pan, it goes potty, but unfortunately it doesn't empty. Well, that's gonna, that stagnant urine is gonna increase the pH of the urine. It's gonna cause irritation. It can also lead to crystal formation. Uh, So then you're gonna get more activity with the bladder, more urine output, even potentially blood in it because it is an irritation. And so I see that quite often in geriatric animals. It's not a urinary tract condition primarily. It's really an arthritic problem that's causing the urinary tract problems.
1: Okay, so we have another um, question from a viewer uh, who is live on our Facebook feed right now, which is Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center that we repost to our group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson on Facebook. Ask a lot of questions, getting some good discussions going in that group. Okay, right now she says, she gives Rummy raw food with mixed veggies. He gets peas. Should I omit them? Otherwise, we do carrots and green beans.
2: Well, fresh is always better because if you think about legumes that have been processed, there again, the bioavailability of ingredients is going to be much less than a processed legume. Uh, I would be careful of how much you're using, but if it's fresh, it's going to be less of a problem and we're probably not going to have that much in it. So um, you do get some benefit of, of the protein from the peas. So I wouldn't necessarily take it out of the fresh food diet. Okay. Um, But I definitely would watch it in a processed food diet.
0: Okay.
1: And then another question um, from Katrina, who says she's concerned about pork being used in dog and cat food as well.
2: Well, years ago, we thought that pork had a, a pretty good implication for gastrointestinal problems and digestive issues. But we realized it was the nitrates that were in that. So in bacon, ham, things like that can be
1: very dangerous. I think this came out of like dogs getting into the holiday right. <laughs> bacon and ham and that kind of thing and then they can get very very sick from that pancreatitis, mm-hmm. other issues. Usually that's an emergency vet kind of situation or an emergent situation. But we're talking just plain Roasted pork. You actually prescribe plain roasted pork a lot.
2: Yeah, totally fine. I, and I, and you, have, you also have to watch how it's raised as well, because organically raised pigs aren't going to have antibiotics. Organically raised pigs are going to be more on fresh type feeding um they might have some grain in it so you do have to be careful of that in grain fed animals Mm -hmm. pigs are going to most likely be grain fed yeah but organically raised uh organically fed pigs are going to be much better uh grass-fed pigs much more healthy but it's it's really hard to find range-fed animals Mm -hmm. and and grass-fed animals because it takes a lot longer to go to market it's going to be higher more expensive Mm -hmm. as far as the meat is concerned uh, but the source of the pork is what I'm looking for first versus say that it's not good for them.
1: Okay. We had a pig one time. His name was Tucker. And he was part pot pig and part regular hog. Mm-hmm. And he was the cutest piggy. And he stayed around. Like, he didn't, you didn't have to pen him in. Anything. He would just walk around the property. He would eat through the apples that fell off the trees. He grazed all the time. He got rid of all the grubs in the mm-hmm. yard. It wasn't pretty, but he did it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he was just like a this like free-range hog. And it was very interesting. Like Jim and I both grow up grew up on big family commercial farms and that raised hogs. So it was refreshing and interesting to see how this pig just adapted to nature. Like, Mm -hmm. he lived a very natural life. I don't think we ever bought a bag of pig feed for him.
2: No, he lived definitely. uh, Go out and he'd be grazing through the
1: field and he was the cutest pig.
2: He loved when the apples hit the ground. Yes. That was his favorite time to go out there and eat the apples off the ground.
1: So, he was tall. I mean, he was like up to your hip, you know, and his stomach would drag on the ground when cherries and we had some cherry trees and some apple trees then and (laughs) his poor gut would drag on the ground Poor guy. He was a good piggy. But it's just, uh, interesting to see the difference in how you keep a hog yeah. and what it could mean for long-term health care for everyone, not just the pig, but everybody. And nobody was ever going to eat Tucker, so that wasn't going to happen. But
2: <laughs> That's for sure. But if you think about what the, the cut of meat that's the most expensive, that Wagyu. Yeah, beef. Beef.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: how they're raised. You they know, it's feed like. feed them
1: and feed them and feed them and feed them to get that fat in there.
2: Yeah, all all fresh food. And they scratch their back. They feed them apples. They get a little bit of beer. You know, <laughs> all these ingredients that, in, in, in how they're raised and everything, they're raised stress free. That's why the meat is so tender and why it's so expensive. But mm-hmm. you see how the expense goes up the more mm-hmm. less commercialized they're fed.
1: True, true. Yeah. Which is a good, you know, the less commercial you know obviously we're all kind of about that yeah having grown up the complete opposite way <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we were
2: total confinement yeah, right.
1: yeah yeah so um did we finish with um the question about the geriatric cat then
2: yeah anything uh, else
1: to add you
2: No, know, the first thing about therapy on these guys is that the, the first therapeutic thing that i would do or at least diagnostic first is go ahead and do an x-ray make sure they don't have bone spurs or arthritis going and then the the second thing is that we want to put them on an actual pain reliever, mm-hmm. give them some sort of natural pain relief, do acupuncture, those kind of things to get that urine moving better.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very surprising how many people have pets that come in for inappropriate litter box issues, going in the house, um, going, you know, one and two in the house, or just they just can't seem to get it out or something's, you know, wrong, they're struggling. And how many cats and dogs actually have back pain? They do. It's very surprising. And once you take the x-ray and you can kind of see it, I've just been, a you know, obviously not the vet, but I've been a party to this many, many times. You can actually see what's actually going on in there.
2: It's always paramount to do that first because I would say more than 80% of the time, Mm -hmm. urinary tract problems are actually arthritic problems unless it's a really young dog and you know they haven't been injured or something like that then you can see urinary tract issues maybe from potty training and, and mm-hmm. learning how to get used to the household and stuff like that yeah but nine nine times out of ten an injury you can just tell they're tense in the back and uh they're holding on to that urine a little too long
1: They it just stays in there mm-hmm. they can't quite you know get in a position to do that anymore so it's just kind of um i don't know it's kind of sad and i I kind of don't think maybe sometimes it gets diagnosed as often as it should. Um, I think a lot of people just go straight to UTI. And now at this point, I just tell people, don't waste your money on bringing in urine for an expensive urinalysis test. Just don't waste that money. Let's see the pet first see what's actually really going on. Is there something that I can visually, you can visually see, or one of our doctors can look at and say, okay, so the posture's off or whatever. And I mean, those are, I just tell people don't waste your money by bringing in a urine sample because I don't even know how many times it's the urine and how many times it's actually the back pain. The money might just be better spent on an exam. If you have somebody who's open, to that philosophy and isn't going to require, you know, like a corporate practice would require you to go through all of these steps and spend all of this money. But, you know, you, you got to find somebody you're comfortable with a vet who you can talk to and say, Hey, could you just look at this first as I'm seeing maybe a difference in posture or his right. back is scrunched up or anything like that. Uh, find somebody that you can actually, you know, really talk to about your pet care. Okay. All righty. So, um, We have a few things going on when we come back. Is your pet ready for a detox? There are so many impurities, water, diets, environment, vaccines, medicines. Pet probably is going to need a detox at some point or another. We're going to tell you a little bit about how to do that. We're going to also answer Jeanette's question about whether or not she can use something natural to help her pet's um, idiopathic epilepsy. The epilepsy... Um, does sometimes respond to CBD oil. So we're going to talk about that in a new study that was done at Colorado State University. And you might even have a chance to participate in that. We'll be right back um, and uh, on Voice America World Talk Radio. We're also live on Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, taking your questions and our group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson on Facebook. See you in just a few minutes.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit
2: Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, Self improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
0: Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Hi, I'm Kristin Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, now located in the Healthy Pets Lifestyle Center. We're in McHenry, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. So if you want to come see us, um, we'll be happy to help you out. You can also get in touch with us on our Facebook page. We have Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristin Carlson. That's our group. It's kind of fun. Um, We're getting a lot more content in there and a lot of good discussions and comments. So uh, just looking for a way to support each other and help each other out on this holistic journey. Sometimes it's not the most popular thing to be into holistics. And there are a lot of skeptics out there and stuff. So if you can have a group of like-minded people that uh, can help you out, then that's always a good thing. We're also taking questions there today. So we're live right now, I'm able to take your questions still while we're on the air here. Um, so one of the big deals in holistic medicine is detoxing in all holistics, even in the human side and stuff. Detox is a very big deal. Why would a pet need to be detoxed?
2: what's well, the same as humans that in the environment, they accumulate different toxins uh, from what they ingest to what they're exposed to uh, even through vaccination. And Every system of the body does store some toxins, but we think about the liver as being the primary organ because that's going to handle it, but the intestine, body fat, uh, also the heart uh, can actually store some toxins. So when we think about inflammation, we think about something red and hot and inflamed, but actually the more inflammation that a pet has to handle, especially with toxins, forms body fat as a buffer and so a lot of times the body will just plunge the toxin into this body of fat and consumes it but it's actually still stored there so occasionally just like um you take out the trash sometimes you just have to (laughs) get rid of some of those toxins
1: is a liver cleanse (laughs) well
2: we always talk about a living liver cleanse a colon cleanse uh you know um you know juice fast those kind of things but for our pets uh they're not gonna handle that as well. So fasting number one, as we talked about last week, fasting helps to detox because it's gonna uh, recruit the primary cells of the body and get rid of any extra toxins or redundant cells. But uh, if you're going to do detoxing in dogs, the two primary areas, one is the liver. Mm-hmm. So we think about milk thistle, we think about denimarin, that's gonna to help to cleanse the liver and gallbladder from toxins. Okay. Um, dietary, um, there's certain herbs like dandelion root um, that can do a very good job of liver and, and liver cleansing. And also the kidney can help uh, get rid of some toxins as well. Um, you can actually add a little bit more of vegetable source to the diet, especially in whole fresh food uh, to be able to help the liver um, take care of that as well. Good fat, really important. You want to have meat based fat, not vegetable oil. But meat-based fat uh, to help the liver cleanse and help the gallbladder get rid of sludge. Um, why does
1: that Why do you have to do that?
2: Because if they're on a, a, a particular type of diet that has more vegetable fat,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, the gallbladder is not going to activate necessarily with vegetable fat.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, meat-based fat, uh, good fat, they call it, um, actually activates the gallbladder and gets a lot of that sludge out of there. Uh, Because if you don't, all it's doing is just excreting a little bit of bile. But just like anything that's more of a solid, uh, you know, in in terms of initially a liquid, but then some of those solutes actually uh, settle out into the bottom of the gallbladder and cause sludging. Well, that blocks the gallbladder. So when we get into uh, trying to use the gallbladder normally, it can get backed up and some of those bile ducts can get clogged.
1: Okay. Some of the things you would, have to detox from what are they
2: vaccination number 1 um, we think about vaccinations as for the most part uh, it's a very controversial issue
0: mm-hmm. but <laughs> after vaccine
2: it's important to consider detoxification we try to minimize vaccination by doing a health risk assessment deciding which vaccines are necessary but also after vaccination think about doing a vaccine detox
1: listen if you are you know looking at Picking out a veterinarian, again, I'm going to tell you, find somebody who's going to listen to you and find somebody who's going to actually see and assess the risk of your pet with the vaccines that they're proposing they do. So, I mean, I have seen some veterinarians um, do five or six vaccines. I mean, every vaccine that they could do on a dog who was like a four or five pound dog. Mm. That is not right. No,
2: it's over-vaccination is one topic for uh, definitely for a total half hour (laughs) to talk about. (laughs) The controversy is the do's and don'ts of vaccination. But uh, for the most part, uh, you want to talk to a veterinarian about risk assessment. Which vaccines do I need versus which vaccines are just blanket vaccination? So Um, just
1: look, make sure that they're asking you that and maybe doing a risk assessment form with you. And just to see, you know, what is really going on here? and What's the important part of it? Uh, Do I need all these vaccines? You might. I mean, there's nothing wrong with vaccine. Vaccines are necessary sometimes. And they might be necessary to booster. So don't worry about that. I mean, boostering, you know, you can tighter them. You can booster them. But anyway. I'm, I digress because we could talk for half an hour about vaccines. Definitely could. We could talk add. for an hour and maybe two or three shows about pets. No. That's right. <laughs> Environmental factors, like what?
2: Well, if they get exposed to um, yard chemicals, mm-hmm. especially herbicides and things like that, occasional yeah. detoxification is important because not all yard chemicals are pet safe, uh, Pets walk in the neighborhood. You don't know the people that don't have pets aren't using more harsher chemicals on their lawns mm-hmm. or, or herbs and gardens and things like that. Um, these are aerosolized products so the pets get exposed to them through the air, but also through the skin too, if they're walking on the, Their little feet. That's right. Because they they absorb a lot through those pads. Um, after they're ill, when they're sick, uh, you should consider detox because they're usually on synthetic medications like antibiotics, corticosteroids, uh, other other treatments, uh, they should have a detox after they're better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we all think about cancer therapy, uh, cancer uh, treatments can be highly toxic, so doing a detox after that as well. So I really,
1: I never thought of that.
2: When your pet's sick, it's it's better oh, okay. to consider um, getting rid of those toxins because uh, inflammation there again creates a lot of toxicity, especially neutrophils, little white blood cells carry a lot of toxins. So when they're Hammering away on the virus or bacteria uh, or other, you know, organisms—they're um, like little bombs. They explode, and all those toxins go out. So it's it's like uh, Agent Orange. We just try to to blanket reduce inflammation.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so synthetic, man-made items are the most susceptible for the need to detox. Right. Okay. Um, the detox. Reasons also include your lymphatics. In Western medicine, lymphatics are often left completely out, not even really considered unless something is obviously wrong, like an egg-sized tumor or something like that. So how do you drain your lymphatic system? How do you detox the lymphatic system?
2: It's really hard because it's it's much easier to detox your liver than detox the lymphatics. Uh, because it's such a tight group, um, it would be very easy if you could just like change the oil, change your little lymph node filters. Uh, but the first thing is you have to go, uh, first of all, fasting does a nice job of cleaning the lymphatics. Um, second of all- Why does it do
1: that? Is it just give them an opportunity to be cleaned?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Gives okay. an opportunity to be cleaned and then ac- any excess buildup in those lymph nodes uh, gets released because uh, if it doesn't, the buildup of toxins that are already in there and digestion and handling other environmental factors, this keeps building on itself. So if the body has time uh, to clean those out, it's, it's really important. That it allows them to, to actually be uh, much healthier.
1: Okay. You have some herbs that you are also go-to uh, right there. Pull that up. Dytan? Mm-hmm. Am I saying it wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So this is an herbal remedy. It's only available by prescription now. So you'd have to see a holistic vet to help you get this one. How does that work on the system to sort of detox everything?
2: Well, in Chinese medicine, toxins um, uh, are moved through the system via what they call qi. And qi is energy that helps to move blood, it helps to move the lymphatics, it helps to move muscle, and those kind of things. And so um helps to reduce what they call phlegm. Now phlegm, it, it builds up in the system, uh, can lead to toxicity. It can lead to toxic fat. It can lead to nodules and tumors. It can also lead to organ dysfunction. Um, I use detentang a lot for epilepsy as well because uh, when t- we're going to transform that phlegm and get it moving out of the system, uh, it's a really important remedy because phlegm is also uh, related to toxicity in the brain and brainstem. Okay,
1: so this is an example of a tea pill from uh, the detentang. Mm-hmm. D tom tom anyway uh this is just like i mean it's a little bit bigger than a bb it's made with tea to make the herbs all stay in this little tea pill this is a really good easy way of giving something to your dog first of all it's a fun shape so some of the dogs are like cool when they think it's fun to have it roll across the floor and that kind of thing um and then it doesn't taste so bad um some of the chinese herbs can be untasty or not very good so anyway um the and then if you're at home and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go get my dog, get my dog. It's rabies shot and it needs it. Um, then you might want to try some liver support or some homeopathics. And um, you do have a go-to homeopathic remedy.
2: I love that uh, with fresh food and using whole kernel corn. Um, that's also very important as far as general uh, flushing and detoxification. Uh, the corn portion of that helps to move fluid out of the body and helps to cleanse. I like uh, a homeopathic remedy called Thuya 30C uh, works very, very well. Um, and usually pre and post uh, vaccination or pre and post uh, toxin uh, exposure, especially if they were um, actually had a bad reaction to uh, an over the counter flea and tick remedy, for example. So you can, a very nice job of throwing toxins out of the body for that
1: okay and any general liver support ideas
2: I you know good whole fresh liver to in order to help the liver feed the liver for one thing Um, dandelion root as I mentioned before also works very good burdock root is another really really good one to help cleanse uh, the liver because it helps to just push those toxins in the gallbladder, and then they push out through the GI tract. So that's the least toxic area where you want these products moving mm-hmm. is, is back into the gut. Because the gut is is designed not to reabsorb them. If it's a healthy gut, the second thing is it's just going to move right on out with the waste. Okay. Um, the second thing is it helps the kidney. So dandelion root helps to push a little bit more through the kidney uh without damage you know okay so we don't want to work that kidney too hard and get rid of toxins Mm -hmm. get rid of the toxins because we can cause so if you were
1: looking at it what's worse the toxins or the remedies for the toxins like the dandelion root stuff toxins are worse on your kidney Definitely. and your liver
2: definitely for sure getting them
1: out is a good idea
2: you don't want them stored in there and because it's going to mess with the the energy of the body for one thing but it's also it, it's going to in, induce more visceral fat, mm-hmm. uh, which absorbs that toxin, really? but then it's sitting around the vital organs. So you think about if you've got toxin sitting around your kidney, you've got toxin mm-hmm. sitting around your liver, uh, you've got toxins sitting around your adrenals, for example. Also, the brain is 60% fat. So all those little nerve endings have fat around them, around the nerve sheet,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: also your brain's part of that. So animals can get brain fog just like we do. But usually if we have a lot of brain fog, it means we've got a lot of absorbed toxins that are blocking good neurologic flow.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. Very good. Jeanette, um, you have a question today and she is in our um, Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group. She is looking for recommendations and advice to help her choose the best treatment for her beagle, Sunny, Sunny Theodore is his name. Like Sunny is Sunny <laughs> Theodore is 5 years old and now has had four seizures that she saw in the past 3 years but over the weekend he had one that was longer and worse so they took him to an emergency vet that person uh doctor placed him on phenobarbital which is a really common um epilepsy um epilepsy uh medication And She said she picked him up yesterday, and despite them telling us the side effects he was having, um, he just wasn't quite normal after they picked him up, and they don't feel like what they have him on is the best approach. He was very lethargic, and his coordination was off and he couldn't stand yesterday without stumbling over. So mm. she had kind of a gut instinct that maybe this had something to do with the medication. Or is it actually a side effect from having a really bad seizure or the worst seizure maybe a certain pet has ever had?
2: It can be both because seizures definitely wear the body out. And fortunately, it only works on the skeletal muscle. Um, seizures don't work on the heart muscle, doesn't work necessarily on the, on the smooth muscle. So If it did, every time you would have a seizure, it'd stop the heart. So it's just working mostly on skeletal muscle. So that's one part of it. The other part is phenobarbital, at least initially the first two weeks uh, that they're on it, definitely some side effects because number one, it's a sedative. So it's reducing the neurologic stimulation. So the pets aren't getting overstimulated. Um, Second of all, it's an anticonvulsant. It's gonna block that the brain from just sending a whole lot of messages into the body all at once. And so unfortunately with all the the potential side effects of that, first of all, the liver uh, suffers the most because it has to to detox that, uh, the phenobarbital. Uh, And so often we're testing the liver as well as the the phenobarb levels. Uh, If we keep within safe levels, uh, the pet can survive, not necessarily thrive, Mm -hmm. but it can survive. And if they're on it, definitely liver detoxing will become important. when they have more than three seizures in a month, this criteria to be on phenobar because unfortunately they're gonna the more seizures they have, the more seizures they're gonna have.
1: Okay. So often
2: that drug is prescribed. Um, Keppra is also prescribed as well.
1: So for a dog that's had only four seizures in its life, is there anything else that could be done if they're not happy with this medication?
2: Well, over time, we want to get to the root of why did they have the seizure in the first place because. There's a lot of epileptic dogs, but there's only one uh, of your pet, and you have to remember that, is that pets are individuals. So, if we can determine through SRT analysis, typically, if there's an underlying root cause uh, that we can clear out, the pet reduces its dependency on phenobarbital, but also may over time come off the phenobarbital.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, So you've got to find whatever the root cause is. We use SRT for that. So we have um, patients that come from all over and they do an uh, SRT, uh, which is a stress analysis test um, done through hair samples, um, saliva samples, and even nail samples. Oh, you've got the ref specs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. We'll get into this in just a minute. So the SRT analysis does help try to find the root cause of all of this. We also do provide some oils that go along with this. Now, one of the things that people keep hearing about with seizures, epilepsy is maybe CBD oil will help.
2: It's shown a lot of of promise for dogs and and, uh, the particular study that was done uh, for one of the initial studies here is that it's shown uh, a lot of promise in reducing epilepsy. Uh, I've always felt that CBD had a place, definitely, um, because, uh, you know, using its counterpart cannabis in the human realm mm-hmm. has done wonders for epileptic patients. Um, the cannabis doesn't work as well in pets because we don't have the exact receptors to manage the cannabis, uh, but the CBD does show a great promise, and it's doing um, wonders. It helps to calm the brain, and that's the most important thing. It helps to move chi. It helps to get rid of phlegm, just like we we're talking about deton Tang earlier, and so, um, and it's very natural. The body also already has cannabinoid receptors
1: mm-hmm.
0: to be
2: able to handle it. It knows what. That to That That's the with interesting
1: it. part is how it knows how to work. Yeah, <laughs> on your body. So explain the CBD portion of that.
2: Because uh, cannabinoid cannabinoid receptors in the body are already there uh, to be receptive to certain. Um, active ingredients that are naturally in the environment that the body produces, Um, we're just adding more of it. And so we think about CBD is just going into the environment, just adding a little bit more of what the body already has. It already has the cannabinoids uh, receptors. So it means it's producing cannabinoids. It's just that we're adding a little bit more because the body's not producing enough or or, all stimulus is more than it can handle.
1: Okay. All right. There is a study that's been done at Colorado State University, and they've been looking at, they started out with like 25, 26 dogs. This um, canine idiopathic epilepsy affects about 5.7, about 6% of the entire dog population in the United States. It's actually a lot of dogs when you really think about it. So the Colorado State study took that, they've got to do a bigger study, but they said it was actually pretty promising. The dogs still stayed on phenobarbital and they also stayed on a product called potassium bromide, which is also a very common treatment that pairs with the uh, phenobarbital, right? It does. So they stayed on all of those drugs, but they took the um, CBD as well and showed significant reduction in seizure frequency. So I guess it can work. They, you know, it's only a really little study. They're actually trying to get more dogs to participate in their studies. And, um, but it was published in the journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association. So kind of an interesting um, study, more to be seen. Right now, the pet CBD market is at 20 million. That was in 2019. I would dare say that has gone up a lot. People are always wanting to try it. They're always interested in seeing what this, you know, miracle product can actually do for their pet. 39% 39% of dog owners are open to it. 34% of cat owners like the idea of using CBD for their cats. Um, I don't think that we sell as much cat CBD as we do dog CBD.
2: Yeah, because the, the, in the in the cat population, the, the jury's still out. And, and probably the biggest reason is cats are so finicky mm-hmm. about yeah. anything that's, you know, naturally
1: like i brought in as that as well. yeah i brought in this specific cat treat cbd but you know it's like do you buy that pouch and then i think people are leery because cats will like eat one and then never touch again. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to have to give a cat a pill or open their mouth to try to give them um some kind of uh you know anything um uh, for a cat Actually, so they don't like to be
2: tricked either if you <laughs> no. try to put it in the food they don't they know, tolerate yeah. any of hey
1: what's in there <laughs> they know everything cats are super super smart animals so they know what they like and what they don't like uh want to grab the puppy here so as we were talking chorky's new rex specs came in so this is part of the treatment for chorky's eye disease um, that we kind of discussed over our little break here uh, so, uh, you can see more of this on our Holistic pet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson Facebook page. So, Chorky has these cool new specs, okay? So, you don't have to make so many noises. Um, so, for her autoimmune eye disease, we've been using um, a little bit of colloidal silver. And now she's going to have to wear, I think we're going to have to fit them to her, these little goggles. Because UV light is one of the reasons that dogs end up getting um, such problems, uh, as far as this autoimmune disease is concerned. So her eyes, um, looks like she'll probably be in these goggles for the rest of her life. If she's going outside or this building has a lot of UV light that's coming in the windows. So Chorky will have to wear her little Rex specs. So I don't think she's thrilled about it. But so totally you enjoy do. it yeah, There's a They fit pretty well and there they me. actually fit her great there we go. without even that much adjustment. There, there we go. go. See, she just has to get used to learning how to wear her specs um
2: where's the visor these are good for yeah she's
1: got a little (laughs) rainbow visor that goes with it so she can wear this when she goes outside and this um you know when you just want to protect the eyes and keep like pollen and um sun and everything from hitting them so anyway we'll keep updating you on that we're glad you joined us today here on voice of america world talk radio be sure to reach out on facebook and join our Holistic bed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your host, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.